Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are, whoever you are. This is Mike in Bed. I'm Josh. I'm Jasmine. And uh, how was your week? Mine was fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what you're giving me this weekend. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. I think you know the kids were on some other level, but they weren't awful. So, well. They let's, were they were a lot, but they weren't awful. Let's bask in how good they were, like end of the week. Yeah, that's what like, I'm saying. They were fine. That's why I said you guys are. I was like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it balanced itself out. That's what I mean. So it was fine. Yeah. They did, you know, what they do in the beginning of the week, which is wreak havoc, and then usually by the end they've calmed down and they're fine. Yeah. You know, plus they get big kudos because they were in a restaurant for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. We and decided we to, to tell take. The tale. I know we decided to take them to a restaurant, both of them, for the first time ever. We've never taken the kids out to eat anywhere ever, ever. And like for ever, some ever. reason, we're just like, let's bring them both. Yeah. <laughs> but they did really well. They did. They, yeah. they enjoyed the experience, and uh, for the most part, we did too. Yeah, I will say, um, you people who go to restaurants, so like, let me just, okay, let me back up, let me back up. Pre-kids, pre-kids, I didn't care where I sat, really, cool. at a restaurant. Like, mm-hmm. it could be like a regular table, booth, I don't care. We can even sit at the bar and eat, didn't care. With kids, you need a booth. Mm-hmm. You absolutely, because you got to trap them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're going to keep getting up. So, like, you need a booth to trap them on the other side so they can just sit and you can <laughs> kind of control where they go. Mm-hmm. Tell me why. We get to this restaurant. Tell me why. And there are two adults with one of our children, and neither of them requested a booth. And so they seat us at a regular table with two tiny children. I blame the restaurant. Really? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. You sure it's just not a personality thing and not one? Fortunately, you were there. I, listen, <laughs> I was the first one to get there. I had to calculate things and, you know, so. There were two of you, though, when I got in there. Unless yeah. she showed up, like, right okay. before I walked in. Two of us <laughs> with that other person is one and a quarter people. Oh, come on. Either way. We sit down, and, like, the oldest one is having... You save the day. I know. I was just saying, like, there are certain people who don't mind being like, I'm sorry, can you please change our table? <laughs> and there are certain people who do mind. But you got to be comfortable. And no, like, that's fair. We sat down, and I realized... I'm glad you did. ...that that kid was not going to be happy. Mm-mm. And so I was like, you know where he will be happy? Excuse me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can we have a booth, please? Yep. And we took it. <laughs> yep. They weren't that busy. They had a booth open. It's just a better situation. If that's not busy, I would hate to see what busy is like there. I didn't think it was that busy. I thought it was fairly you, busy. You waited for like maybe five, ten minutes. That's not busy. Busy is when you're waiting for efficient. like 30 to 50 minutes. I think they're just very efficient. That's what I attribute I will that say to. that was the quickest I ever yeah. Like, did they make that was it? Like magic. Or did they, like, pull it out of some? Because we ordered, right? And I turned and I started talking to our oldest. And then, like, I look at our youngest 
I look at you, and I look down, and my food was yeah, there. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out that way, though. I'll say oh, that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it worked out really well, and I'm really happy because I have a feeling. So um, you, when you all are listening to this, Mother's Day would have passed. Yes. But we're going to another restaurant with all the kids. <laughs> I say that like we got eight of them with both of the kids tomorrow, basically, for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's going to be the opposite story where we're going to be waiting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Based on yeah, prior experience that. Yeah. That checks out. Yeah. And so that will be an interesting experience to see how they handle that. Well, at least the oldest one. I don't think the youngest one cares because she's like in an amusement park. Because she absolutely enjoyed it. Oh, she loved it. Yeah. yeah. But I'm proud of both of them. Yeah. They like, did a they hell did of a job. Really great. I didn't know what to expect, but I was very, very pleased with what happened. So. Yeah. I was too. Yes. I was too. Yes. Before your sanity, if you have kids, especially little kids, get a booth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get a booth. Go with the booth. Because, <laughs> like, wrong. if you don't, I I don't know. I just I just saw him getting in and out of the chair. He demanded to sit on my lap, and I was like, Nope, we gotta. Yep. <laughs> we gotta fix this now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I had a decent week as well. Um, work was challenging this week, I will say. Yeah. But, um, and, you know, holidays are always their own, bring about their own challenges, like not being able to find a certain ingredient. <laughs> like, well, that's because, like, you, you're, <laughs> you, <laughs> just not. <laughs> I think we're different when it comes to holidays or special occasions. Like, you're definitely the more romantic one, but because I'm so pragmatic and logical and very well planned, I can sometimes appear to be the one who's a bit more thoughtful, which I don't think that's true. I think we're both very yeah, I thoughtful. I think we're both pretty thoughtful people. But I just make sure things go smoother. Than yeah. They do. <laughs> In my defense, I had planned on getting that ingredient sooner. But you had advised me not to because, because you wanted of the to get it on Wednesday, wasn't it? No, Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. It would have like expired. Yes. Are you sure? Yes, because they make them every day, and so the new little sticker on there is for the fall, like the next three days after they make them. So mm. by the time you would have needed to actually use the dough. It's pizza dough, by the way. <laughs> I'm making pizza. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that is but, what my wife requested well yeah because i mean you gave me yeah and you gave me a menu and pizza just always will win for me mm-hmm. especially when someone says they're gonna actually make the pizza i'm like okay yep. i will take it any day dough may in fact be tossed i won't know because i will be at a soccer session yes. <laughs> <laughs> just be you and the kitchen yes <laughs> I know if I'll come home and I see dough on the ceiling. I hope And then it'll take you a week to clean it up. Our youngest just <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> Dada, what's that? <laughs> Good thing she can't talk yet. For that. She's know. getting there, She's though. She's getting there, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. And uh, that's a good thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't even really know how to, because I know last week we had mentioned that 
this was going to be our mental health episode because it is Mental Health Awareness Month in May. Yeah. And so I feel like we have two different experiences with mental health and mental wellness. Me from the perspective of someone who has a mental illness and you more so from the perspective of someone who um, is a loved one of someone who has a mental illness, the spouse of someone with a mental illness, I guess you could say. Yeah, and I think it's just good to note, like, so you have a mental illness, you have, I guess, a more severe mental illness, if you'd want to say. Like, I don't know if there's, like, levels or you want to even do that, to be honest, because I feel like on some level everyone can be a bit much for them, personally. I think it depends on the person and the treatment plan, Um, just based on my own experience. I mean, I have bipolar, bipolar one, um, but I was misdiagnosed and that wasn't diagnosed for about seven, eight years of me knowing that I had a mental illness, but thinking it was anxiety and depression. Yeah. But like what I was kind of that, like I was just getting into like, like you have something that I think required a lot more time to figure out yes and a lot more doctors involved whereas like myself and i feel like many others have like a noted mental illness in our medical records and it's just like anxiety or you know and i'm not saying just like anxiety like it's not important it definitely is because it impacts everyone differently and can have its peaks that make life very difficult for people at times yeah um but like mine was like I got diagnosed very quickly, <laughs> so, like, yeah. I didn't have to go through years of, you know, wondering what was going on with me, and again, I don't know if it, it might be, like, a doctor situation, it could be anything, really, as to why it took them a while to figure out what was going on with you, um, but just to note, like, I also have, like, a diagnosed mental Yeah, illness. I'm not trying to downplay uh-huh. that. No, 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 I'm just saying, like, I'm just... Like, I have one, but, like, mine doesn't impact, I think, my daily functioning as much as, like, yours would or has in the past, I guess I should say. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I would probably be better to give the perspective of someone who, like you said, is married to someone who has a mental illness that involves a lot more, I feel like, just plans and all those things versus me kind of just dealing with daily anxiety because I don't take medication or anything for it so yeah yeah yeah, you're able to manage it and um I think that's you know a good thing for me I mean you know you know from experience even more so than I do like when I have a manic episode all bets are off on where my head is or what's going to happen um, anything like that. So for me, I, the thought of, you know, being bipolar wasn't really even on my radar for, you know, until they diagnosed me, honestly, I didn't know what was going on yeah. um, and neither did you. And that was kind of the scary part. Yeah. Um, but I was fortunate to get it diagnosed, get it treated. And I think it's been like, close to two years now since I've had any sort of major yeah it'll be two years um 
in June, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, your episode started right before Memorial Day. It was like the the twenty eighth. Yeah, but it en- I'm saying it ended in June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I just that's mean, where like, I would. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So you're saying like when you were younger because you said you've been dealing with stuff for like at least almost a decade like you just kind of figured it was just depression anxiety and yeah kept trucking yeah that's i mean i was told everything from depression anxiety um i was briefly diagnosed with psychosis but then they reversed that um and they said it was just anxiety and depression and they were very confident in that diagnosis at the time so, you know, I'm not a medical professional. I was like, okay, well, I've been an inpatient um, a few times. That, that must be what it is. And when I was on the medication that they had given me for that, uh, things seemed to be okay for the most part. Uh, but ultimately, um, like, the symptoms got more severe to the point where I don't even remember portions of that time period yeah um but i mean i'm certainly grateful not just for the treatment but you know for you and and the rest of my family being so supportive and you know being there for me through that whole process too yeah yeah i mean definitely it was definitely a journey um mm-hmm. which I, I guess i would consider part of like my experience with mental health like your journey is kind of also a little bit of mine because of that because me being yeah. present for yours mm-hmm. um mine is a little bit different like i feel like i was always an anxious kid yeah <laughs> but i'm also very like <laughs> anal so yeah. i feel like those two things kind of come they work very well together unfortunately um so i was always kind of anxious but like i said it was never to the point where like I couldn't function. I I'm not gonna lie and sit here. I don't and say I don't get panic attacks. I definitely do. They happen, but mm-hmm. they don't happen often. No, Honestly, I probably had like maybe two or three in like the time span of us yeah. being together. Yeah, I was gonna say I can count on le- less than one hand. Yeah, the number I've seen. Yeah, so it it takes a lot for me to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for the most part, it's like fairly well managed. But like I said, I've I've been an anxious person for a very long time um i think i've gotten better at kind of managing it like once i was in college and i realized what different kind of things existed to help kind of calm me a little bit i Mm -hmm. definitely went on a better path with that um in high school i was just always anxious Mm -hmm. and like had really no one to fully talk about it i feel like in black households mental health in general was like this taboo thing and we don't really talk about it as much as we should, especially like black men. I feel like it's just kind of like, no, you're you're fine, be strong and just keep going. And it's like, but what does that even mean? Like yeah. if I'm not feeling well or if I'm trying to communicate something's not right, I feel like, especially as like a teenager or a child, like you should be able to rely on your parents or some whoever is your guardian, someone you trust to like be able to guide you in the right direction and not be kind of like shoot away because mm-hmm. it's just like it's not important and then i just need to you know suck it up suck whatever, it up and keep yeah. going or or and like i said i couldn't imagine being a black male and kind of experiencing some things and trying to go to people and it kind of just be basically being told to like man up or something like that's doesn't help anyone's issue at all 
Um, but I, I don't know what the state of mental health in black homes is in terms of the conversation, but I feel like it doesn't happen as often as it needs to. And I can really, I guess, only speak on my own experience, like in my home, because yeah. it wasn't talked about a ton either in my house. And when I did try to communicate that, you know, I wasn't feeling right or I was anxious, it was kind of just, I don't, it was not taken seriously. <laughs> And that's no knock on my mom. I just, I'm sure it was kind of part of how she grew up as well, but it just wasn't. Um, yeah. I struggled quite a bit in high school because, like, I didn't have an avenue to communicate that I wasn't doing well. Like, mm-hmm. on the surface, I guess I looked fine, but in the inside, like, I had a lot of thoughts going on. <laughs> yeah. And I was always, like, just anxious and always, like, just tense about something. Um, and it would have been helpful to kind of know or like have a conversation with someone to kind of help me figure out why I was always at that state. Um, I just felt like I was always, always on like a heightened state of awareness I mean, and I didn't need to be that, like that tense all the time. Growing up, I always thought that anxiety was a prerequisite for success. Yeah, like you like had to, you kind of had to struggle worry, mentally to get where you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I didn't worry enough about my exams or my presentations or drama night or whatever, then I wouldn't succeed. So I would like torture myself worrying about all the things that could go wrong. And then I would succeed and it was so like a relief. So you just assumed that that was. Like, oh, that, that's the process. Yeah. Then. Um, and it wasn't really until the past few years where I was like, oh, I can be successful at things without freaking out about every aspect of it but yeah see I kind of figured it out in college because I realized like some of my peers weren't stressed when it came to test or when it came to that big paper or the final but like I was like you know (laughs) pacing the dorm room trying to study and like they were just kind of like well you know I know what I know and I'll take it and see what happens and I was Mm -hmm. like wait what And that's when I realized, like, oh, crap, I need to really gather some tools or resources here because, you know, it looks like some people know how to handle, like, different situations, and I just couldn't. Like, I would just get so worried. Um, and I, I guess, it, like, I didn't have to. And it, like I said, it took till college to realize that. And slowly but surely, I started finding some things that helped me calm down a bit. And, like, allowed me to, like, catch my breath and just to get in tune with myself. And so, like, yoga was one of those things that really helped. Um, Because I don't know if anyone has anxiety, but when your heart gets to racing and you're, like, you just, it's just not a good feeling um, at all. Especially, like, when you need to be calm, right? Like, when you're taking an exam, you want to be calm. Because you'll make mistakes because you're freaking out. And so, like, there was just situations where, like, I needed to be calm and I was like, having a very hard time being calm. Um, in addition to that, I also admittedly had an eating disorder in high school. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was mental. A lot of that was brought on by some comments growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, they, you know, don't want to go too much into that. But when you hear certain things or you hear, you know, someone that you you trust say things that aren't you know what you need to be hearing as a teenager um or commenting on things that you shouldn't be saying to a teenager trying to figure themselves out and just 
Yeah. I mean, you're still technically a child. And so that, I think, led to some of the eating disorder. And even today, I think my body, how I view myself, like my own personal body image is like not where it should be. Yeah. Um, I still struggle with that quite a bit. I wouldn't say I still have an eating disorder, but I maybe like some body dysmorphia. Like I feel like I don't. Yeah. I don't see what other people see sometimes, um, which can make how I feel about myself not that great yeah. sometimes. But yeah, so there's also that. <laughs> um, so high school, that period of time, which is really rough and like not having or not feeling like I had the support to get through it just unfortunately made it, I think, even more, like just it just made it worse than it needed to be. And so thankfully... Yeah. Being in college, being exposed to different ways that people think and stuff helped me kind of figure out ways to, like, help myself. Also helped me appreciate myself a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and I was able to kind of be a bit more comfortable with my body and what I ate. And, yeah, it was just, it was a huge help to just see other people live life and not kind of just hear that one opinion and that one view all the time. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And, and you know, that's... Um... I appreciate you sharing all that. I mean, for me, like we've talked about before and like I've mentioned on other episodes, a lot of my childhood and adolescence and beyond that were basically influenced by the church and the United Methodist Church in particular. Um, and I think the, the peak of my depression and anxiety was, was probably seminary um because and i for whatever reason hate seminars where like you're expected to contribute to a conversation so it's it's like that and it's almost like law school or it was anyway except everybody is trying to portray themselves as being the most righteous person in the room and to have to like force myself to attend those classes over and over and over again when i wasn't fully invested in it and when i didn't know how i felt about certain things and being expected to speak with conviction and this sense of righteousness and, you know, talk about these heavy, heavy topics. Like, don't go to, <laughs> don't go to seminary expecting a light experience. It is, um, it's in a lot of ways a torturous experience for someone who is prone to depression, anxiety, mental illness in general, um, it is a heightened place of that. And I knew a lot of my classmates who struggled with that. Um, I knew some of my classmates who smoked cigarettes to cope. And then I knew another group of classmates that like either had eating disorders or something else going on, but they would openly speak out against the smokers on campus because they were smoking and they saw that as sinful so it's just a very it was a very fucked up place to be for two years and 
you and I met, I think, right when I was in the middle of that experience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd gotten through the first year, which was, you know, hard enough. But, yeah, um, I, I feel like that was sort of the prelude to uh, my my more manic episodes because I had been catapulted from that environment uh, into various other ministry positions with that intense mindset. Like we were told at my seminary, you're going to change the world with this stuff. And mm-hmm. these professors genuinely believed that. And we genuinely believed that because they did. Yeah. So um, I don't want to sit here and say that it's entirely the fault of seminary or the church that, you know, you know, let's be honest, I have a chemical imbalance. That's part of my disorder. But I don't think that those institutions did me any favors in that regard. I do wonder, though, like if you would have known what was going on with you back then if you would have had a different experience because like this is pre you knowing everything going like you you didn't know about the bipolar um I, I just wonder if your experience would have been a little bit different I don't think I would have gone to seminary to maybe not I mean that could be a part of your experience I being think, different like I yeah. don't know <laughs> and I think that would have been better um for me in a lot of ways so I mean I don't know. I think about that sometimes, too. Um, I think about those sort of formative experiences in my life within the church, and it's just an odd feeling when that's the nexus of your life for your whole life, and then as soon as you start getting some distance from it, you feel exponentially better. Yeah. And that's just my personal experience, but that's what it took in a lot of ways for me to not necessarily get mentally healthier because again I attribute a lot of that to therapy and then medication which I take consistently yeah um those are the main factors but I am at peace a lot more often and less anxious and depressed now that I'm distanced from the church so whether yeah. that's cause and effect or not, I don't know. But yeah, that, that was kind of more so my journey. And I, I don't know that I ever had um, an eating disorder, but I certainly had a lot of anxiety around food. Yeah, yeah. Like I was thin. And that was like the issue with me like I had like my anxiety was also food related because of comments I have gotten and you know Mm -hmm. and had continued again still get to this day Um, and it kind of yeah led to to how I it led to a very negative way that I viewed food Mm -hmm. like I said it took college studying abroad and just being an adult and being away from certain people that helped me realize that you know I can't have a good relationship with food I can eat whatever I want (laughs) and I don't have to freak out about it you know so I do eat you know healthy but I still I give myself grace and you have to yeah and I just work out too which was like probably something that was really important 
Mm-hmm. Again, if I would have had the right guidance, maybe would have done back then too. But it's just, yeah, <laughs> doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I won't harp on the church too much, but I will say one thing that stuck with me for a long time that I absolutely hate about the, the Christian church in particular, in particularly in the U.S., um, you're going to have a more negative view of yourself if you're taught your whole life that you're inherently bad. Like, you're inherently sinful. You're inherently flawed. If you hear that your whole life, you're going to have issues, I think, with that. I think if you're, like, very much kind of in the church, in that you world. will. Yeah. Like, the kids who are, like, the families who are just very much about the church and then, like, the PKs, like, the pastor kids and stuff, I can understand yeah. how that might have an impact um, on, I guess, how that individual would view themselves and the rest of the world. Yeah. 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 So, I mean. Especially if, like, your parents are telling you that as well. Like, that doesn't help. It's one no. thing to hear it somewhere, but then have it, like, balanced by someone else being yeah, like, well, no. The, like, yeah. That was what was in the house. And and uh, also, I will add, uh, <laughs> you're going to have to stop me at some point. Uh, I mean, I can stop you now. Like, <laughs> Well, I, I, I went to a, uh, like, religious therapist. Yeah. Um, well, let's, I am going to stop was, you okay. because right. <laughs> I think when it comes to therapy and mental health, I think people should go to the therapists that make them the most comfortable as long as they are challenging and working on the issues that they're, you know, that they're claiming they have and the reason why they're going to therapy. Um, so some people do need therapy who are therapists who are faith-based focused like that's what some people look for and if it works for them and they're able to kind of deal with you know the reasons or the issues that they are experiencing for the reasons that they are in therapy i think that's fine so i don't want to bash faith-based therapists because i know that there are probably a decent amount of people out there who get something from it it's not it's not science but I just don't think that's fair. It's like, again, like you can't put, like if someone needs that person to, you know, understand religion in a way that makes them comfortable so that they can process in a way that helps them, I think they should have a therapist that helps them do that. I would never go to a therapist that is very, like their, like theology, just like if, if that is a deep part of how they're going to help me, then no. <laughs> like if that is what they need to use in order to help me kind of process my thoughts and stuff, that would make me uncomfortable. Yeah. But for others, that might be helpful. And you got to have to respect that. <laughs> I, I was told to have a blue light bulb. That was the grand solution. So. I mean, everybody's different, obviously. And all therapists are different. You do not have to continue seeing a therapist that you do not think is helping you. And I did not. (laughs) Yeah, like, if you go somewhere, you're not, like, you're not stuck with that person. Leave. You can can just tell them, I don't think this is a good relationship it's not going to help me i'm going to go find someone else um or if there's some conflict that comes up later down the line ask for a referral and find you know go to that person that you've been referred to or just leave find someone else don't feel stuck with a therapist that isn't helping you or that's making you uncomfortable because they are maybe using religion to help you process your thoughts you know if that's not something you want then to to get this 
back on a more positive, <laughs> upbeat, up, uplifting track <laughs> ahead of Mother's Day, uh, what, what are some of your most helpful coping mechanisms? Oh, I, I think I said before, like working out. So like oh, yoga yeah, helped yeah. me in college with my anxiety when it came to just like finals and exams and and just really big papers or even presentations because like I used to freak out mm -hmm. <laughs> if I had a presentation to give. Um, so yoga was super helpful. Uh, having something that made me like feel good, like something that calmed me down. Like oddly enough, like I liked to go to cafes to, I guess that's yes. not odd. Like who doesn't do that in college, I guess. But like no. in college, going to cafes to work helped me. Yes. Like I don't know if it was just being around other people it's, yeah it's like, or like... <laughs> it's like it's like you're around other people but you don't have to engage with them if yes. you don't want to and they're maybe that's what dressing. it is like they're yeah. just kind of there so you don't feel alone yeah. so it's better than like being in your room or in your house alone or whatever yeah. but it's also better than being in a classroom because you don't have to engage with them you're just like there's people here i'm not alone if i need coffee i can just walk right over there yep. there's a bathroom right there i got an outlet got my laptop let's do this like yep. that's <laughs> yep that that helped me a ton when it came to preparing for like bigger things um and it, it was just a good space to be there was always like that typical cafe music in the background yes. but it was calming and so yeah. that was definitely something that worked for me i know some people might i don't know how people feel now being in cafes with everything that happened in the past few years but you know slowly work your way into it if you're comfortable and if you were always comfortable then you know go to a cafe it's like sometimes it's helpful to go to like a coffee shop or a cafe or even like some of those small um with like those hybrid bakery cafe things like mm -hmm. that probably smells delicious there like can you places. imagine i want to give some shout outs to a couple places <laughs> uh the reader's cafe and uh new oxford coffee company really kept me going the year i moved back home from college yeah you also can do some really good people watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sometimes helps, too. Yeah. Just be like, you all are interesting. I'm going to see what you all are talking about over there. Like, that was super helpful. Um, I listened to music a lot in college, mm -hmm. which I thought helped me with anxiety a bit. Also, I tried to get ahead of things that would cause my anxiety, like exams. Yes. proactive. Yeah. Um, I became... I got better at, like, preparing for exams um, after my freshman year. Like, while I did find my freshman year, I still had a lot of anxiety going into them. And so after that, I, you know, tried to get ahead. I tried to, like, basically make sure I stayed on top of, like, the coursework. Like, mm -hmm. I figured if I remembered and knew what we were talking about when it came time to study, I wouldn't have to do so much. And so that was kind of my plan was just to kind of stay on top of everything not overwhelm myself and not take too many classes and just do what I needed to do and do it well. Yeah. Um, that helped me a lot with my anxiety with just exams and papers and stuff. Um, but post college, oh, it's mainly just yoga, eating healthy. You'll yeah. be amazed like how much better you feel when you change what you eat. Because mm -hmm. like, I feel like a lot of us, when we get into a state of just it's just been rough <laughs> um, 
we tend to want that comfort food. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like chocolate. I could sit and just oh. eat a ton of chocolate. It's always dark chocolate, but it's still a so lot of a it. Lot of um, it was chocolate. It was anything that was baked and sweet. Um, was what I would go to when I would get in a place of like intense anxiety. Like I just wanted to eat because it was gonna make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was not good. There were healthy snacks out there. Um, but eating better helps your body feel better, which I think in turn kind of just help you feel better. Same with working out. Like working out when I'm stressed just helps me release some of that tension. Yeah. And then I feel a lot better afterwards. And I've been doing that for a very long time. I'm trying to keep it a part of my life, especially postpartum crap and (laughs) i felt better postpartum when i would try to work out some kind of way even if it was just going on the short walk with baby or just doing something to keep me moving helped me get through a lot of it and also therapy that was my other coping (laughs) i'm very pro therapy Mm -hmm. and like i said you don't have to stick with one if you don't like them get a new one um but therapy is a huge help i know it's expensive though yeah um so I, I know that can be a barrier, but there's things I think out there that are supposed to help make it more affordable. I've never used them, but I know like Talkspace and I think there's another one that's similar well, that's I'm supposed gonna... to make it a lot more affordable, yeah. but I can't vouch for it because I've never used them. But I do know that there are resources out there that help. Um, so, you know, try to see what those are, but definitely therapy, exercise, eat as healthy as you can because I also know it can be pricey sometimes to get like healthy food but eat as healthy as you can um all those things helped me a ton and having someone to talk to outside of a therapist yeah i was gonna gonna say um i want to give a big shout out to nami national alliance for mental illness because of their um groups that they have yeah those you know if you have if you do have a mental illness those are um completely free in my experience and they do them virtually as well yeah and we did an ami walk for one of our first dates yes because i i i was yeah i would do nami like i would do the nami walk and i i think i did it multiple years in a row and then when we started dating we went together um yeah so yeah but yeah, I definitely would say NAMI, your local resources, um, mm-hmm. they can help connect you. You can also chat with them about kind of the whole therapy thing. Like you said, there's group sessions that maybe until you are able to afford therapy, going to a, a group would be, you know, somewhat helpful. I never, I've never done group therapy, so I can't speak on that, but I know. I think it's, yeah. it was helpful in my experience. And if you're really, really going through stuff right now, like. They have the the hotline now. Well, so they've so, always had the hotline. Do you mean well, that you changed, can just dial the nine eight eight? Nine eight eight. Yeah, just dial nine eight eight. Every time that I've been encouraged to get help, I have gradually come to feel exponentially better yeah. about life and myself and my place in the world. Yeah. And that's you know. That's almost what I would say to anyone else I would say to our kids as well is like, you know, don't be afraid to come to us, but I want them to know what resources are available and how to access them if they need them. Because anybody can find themselves 
in a position where they just feel completely hopeless. Like, that's not exclusive to mental illness. And, like, I guess to put off of that, just don't be a dick. Right? Like, if you have kids, and I'm sure there's people our age who are just like, yes. Like, they they know exactly what I mean by don't be a dick. Mm -hmm. Like, you are a parent. If your child is trying to express that something isn't right, you need to shut up and listen. Yeah. Because that is them being like, you, you're a person that's supposed to help me. Something's not right. I need you to help me. Mm-hmm. Don't laugh that crap off. Don't no. tell them, oh, just, <laughs> you're strong. <laughs> It'll get better. No. Mm-hmm. Help those kids. Like, yeah. that's just not okay. And so, like, just don't be a dick. Yep. Don't be a dick. Like, seriously. If a child, even if it's, like, a child that maybe isn't yours, but it's a cousin or a nephew or maybe it's your godchild, if someone is coming to you for help, don't, don't be a dick. Yeah. yeah. Don't be a dick. <laughs> like, talk to them. Like, see what's going on. See how you can help them. And it, especially if it's your child. Like, yeah. don't make light of something that they feel is serious. Yes. Because to them... It's, it is. It, it is. And you need to kind of approach it in that way. Even if it... Maybe it isn't a big deal. But to them at that current moment, it really is. Um, yeah. And you just need to be able to sit down and talk through that with them. Like... I feel like <laughs> I don't know if it was just like our generation's parents being raised by boomers and some of us having boomers as parents and I'm not about to diss boomers but I feel like some of that that thinking and seeped into, seeped into like their parenting yeah. <laughs> thinking that like <laughs> that that's what they needed to say and I don't think that that was like I don't think some of the things that were said to I feel like a lot of millennials growing up was appropriate yeah. um like I have friends that I think would agree that when it comes to weight and things, people just need to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like it's cute when they're babies. Once that they, they, I feel like once kids can internalize what you're saying, you need to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like should only be positive things once that happens. And I mean, honestly, you shouldn't be saying negative things prior to that either. But like, you know, we all love a chunky baby, right? They're adorable mm-hmm. and they're cute. Well, that's not going to be so cute when you're telling them that still at like three and yeah. four and yeah. five and six and seven, <laughs> you know, like those things, like they start to really think about that. And, you know, it's just not, we just need to do a better job, all parents and making sure that we listen and be there and like. And just, grandparents and uncles. And yeah. And grandparents, and uncles, and everyone. Everybody. Like takes a village. Yeah. Just please <laughs> just stop and think before you say things and stop and listen when someone is trying to communicate that something's wrong yeah well i think i've got a real heart warmer (laughs) for the toddler (laughs) quote of the week uh uh, i'll set the the stage for everybody here so our oldest was playing with me with his toy dinosaurs and making them talk and he made them like brother and sister and uh, I was like, oh, is it like you and your sister, buddy? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, do you, <laughs> do you love your sister, buddy? And he's like, yeah, I love her. She likes YouTube kids like me. <laughs> and he loves YouTube kids. And she does, too. She enjoys watching the videos. 
She enjoyed the was it super simple songs. Super simple songs, yeah. Yes, which he associates with YouTube kids. Yes, but they honestly watch that on my YouTube account, which I can now tell you is full of toddler songs. So, milk. Oh, you talking about Miss Rachel? <laughs> She's the best. Can you say? <laughs> I love Miss Rachel. Yay! Ah, <laughs> uh, good stuff. <laughs> Tell what we vibe to. <laughs> Follow us on the gram at Miked in Bed. We're on LinkedIn as well. And remember, if you are currently experiencing a mental health crisis, you can just call or text 988. Um, please don't delay getting yourself some help. Or if even if you know someone who might need some help. Yes. Yes. Stop and listen to them. Yes. And try to help them find the resources they need. Yes. Please get help if you need it. All right. That's it for us. Have a great week, everybody. Take care.